Hey, to all the real estate professionals out there, I want to let you know The Buyer's Mind is sponsored by Homebridge Financial. Homebridge loan officers are experts in new home financing, and they bring sales ideas and strategies and market intelligence and programs that will help sell homes. To learn more about that, go to builder.homebridge.com. Homebridge Financial, home financing made easy. How strong is your achievement drive? Is it strong enough? Let's find out on today's episode of The Buyer's Mind. Welcome to The Buyer's Mind, where we take a closer look deep inside your customer's decision-making mechanism to reverse engineer the perfect sales presentation. Now, please welcome your host, Jeff Shore. Welcome, everyone, once again to another episode of The Buyer's Mind. I am your host, Jeff Shore, and this is the podcast where we try to get inside the head of our customers, figure out how they're thinking. And one of the ways that we do this is we look at our own efforts and our own ability as sales professionals and the way that we are presenting our, our very, very best not to try and manipulate, but to try to serve. And what does that look like? And we're going to be getting into the topic today of achievement drive uh, as we talk to our guest, Kendra Lee. Before we start that, we bring on our show producer, as always, Mr. Paul Murphy. Uh, Murph, this is something that we talk about from time to time. How do you define achievement drive? Well, I've, I've heard it from you over the years, but uh, I think it's that drive that, you know, you wake up in the morning and it's the first thing that's on your brain. It's it's what motivates you. It's what gets you moving. Uh, and it's it's those things, you know, I wake up every morning and I go, you know what? Today I'm working for Shore Consulting and uh, I am motivated because I believe in what Jeff Shore shares with everybody else about making themselves better and about making it better for their customers. And just uh, to our audience, I did not script that for Murph, nor did I pay him, but uh, he does have a <laughs> review coming up, so I'm sure that will not be part of it. <laughs> no, it's a joke. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that achievement drive is what gets us out of bed in the morning. But what's interesting about it is, and I'm sure you've seen this, Murph, over time, is that different people have different levels of achievement drive. I mean, right, we see this in our own kids or in in, in friends and family members and certainly business people. Uh, is it easy for you to spot this person's got it, that person don't? Yeah, I think you can. Uh, you know, there are the people that are phoning it in, you know, really don't have a lot of skin in the game, don't have a, a great desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are the people that love what they do and and are passionate about mm-hmm. it. And you can see it on their face. Uh, there's, there's no question that achievement drive does tend to shine through because if you're going to have that achievement drive, there's a certain energy level that you're going to have that goes along with it. And when we think about achievement drive, it's that inner source that says, I just have to win, right? People with high achievement drive, they're the winners. I just, they, that's all they know how to do. They have to win. They have to excel. They have to succeed. Now, of course, if you're listening to me say these words and you're in sales, you get that, right? We all sort of get that, at least on some level. The question that I would ask is, can you back it up? Because people with high achievement drive, what happens here? They are persistent. They are relentless. They keep going. They keep contacting their customers. They keep making the sales calls. They keep following up. They keep doing all those things. So it's one thing to agree that achievement drive is important, but can you back it up? In other words, do I see your achievement drive in your efforts? 
especially as it relates to persistence? Or is it a one and done? Well, you know, I gave it a shot. I'm going to, that's it. I'll just move on here. This is a telling factor here because sales persistence, there's no question about it, is the key differentiating factor between mediocre salespeople and great salespeople. Great salespeople just don't give up. They keep moving forward. I'm not suggesting that we need to harass our customers, but they find new ways to serve their customers on an ongoing basis before and after the sale. And we're going to get into that today with Kendra Lee, the author of The Sales Magnet, How to Get More Customers Without Cold Calling. And Kendra's got a few things to say about this. Let's hear from Kendra Lee. Well, excited to have on the buyer's mind author, speaker, sales expert, Kendra Lee, the author of The Sales Magnet, How to Get More Customers Without Cold Calling. And we're going to talk about uh, how we adjust, what do we do in these crazy times and and uh, what the value of persistence is in sales. All right, Kendra Lee, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. You're calling in from the great state of Colorado. You've lived there for how long? I've been here over 30 years, hard uh, to believe. Yeah, it's uh, practically a native uh, at that point. You, you get, I, I live in ski country myself in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas of California. Uh, you get up the mountain from time to time, I take it? I do as frequently as I can. It's my yeah. passion. Love it. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it. Well, let's talk about kind of where we're at, what life's going to look like going forward. So I wanted to start here, Kendra. What have you seen from your clients? What changes did they make over the past few months in dealing with all that we've had to deal with? Well, we have seen two different responses from clients. Either they have seen this as an opportunity and they have continued to do business as usual, or they've looked at it and said, oh my gosh, nobody's gonna buy right now, and they've just hunkered down and pulled away, and they're not doing anything. For those people who said, hey, listen, we still have to sell, people still wanna buy, we are moving forward. Uh, you know, There was the concern here that salespeople would come off as tone deaf. At least I heard that from salespeople who said, I can't reach out to people right now because they're going to say, don't you know what's going on? There's a global pandemic. Why are you trying to sell me something? Did that happen? Or were people receptive to the idea of still moving forward with filling whatever need that they had? What we saw is that salespeople just weren't sure how to respond because we're all very sensitive to the situation and what's going on in clients and prospects as we call them. And so they weren't sure what they should be doing and how, how do we go about talking to people? Um, so our recommendation has been to clients to um, approach people with a level of compassion and um, from the perspective of just listening and how can we help and having a conversation and in that conversation determining, is there something that we should be doing right now? And as they've, salespeople have worked with prospects and clients that way, people have been much more understanding and open. Um, we did have one situation where a sales rep called and, and uh, was not quite so compassionate and got quite an earful from the prospect mm -hmm. about didn't they understand what was going on and why were they calling them right now? <laughs> 
So that can happen. Do you, do you, I don't know if you remember an old Robin Williams movie called Cadillac Man, and he plays a salesperson, and uh, this this uh, this lady is uh, it's her husband's funeral, and the the hearse breaks down on the way to the the uh, the cemetery, and Robin Williams pulls over and tries to sell her a Cadillac. It's like you're grieving. He would want you to take care of yourself, and it's so funny because she just like rails on him. You know, like are you trying to sell me a car at my husband's funeral? And uh, you know, I think that 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 sort of mentality really caused a lot of salespeople to say, well, I'm not going to sell now. I can't. It's 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 bad form to try and sell now. And that what you just pointed out is, how can we help? And if we can't help, well, no worries. We'll still be there in the future. But people still had needs, even though everything was going on around it. So then the follow-up question there is, is there anything that came out of this pandemic that you believe will lead to wholesale changes in the sales process when all the dust settles? You know, we saw clients come up with new solutions and be much more responsive. What I think it was is they've started listening to people's needs carefully again. You know, they've moved away from the, I've got a feature, does this feature work for you? And they're really listening to, well, what's going on in someone's business and how can I help? Um, It's almost felt like a reverting to the old relationship selling that we used to do where Mm -hmm. we really care about our prospects and what they need. And we're not trying to do all the fancy selling techniques that have evolved. We're just Mm -hmm. stepping back and listening. Yeah. And saying if, if you don't, if I don't have a solution to your problem, then we're all wasting our time. But I need to understand what that problem is. Uh, it yeah. makes sense. It's too bad it took a global pandemic to get us there. But uh, <laughs> let's let's just hope that it continues. Um, are you seeing a change in the way that the prospecting is done? Are you seeing more use of video or Zoom conferencing or an increase in social media usage? Yes. This has been really interesting because salespeople haven't known, well, how do I prospect now? Mm-hmm. Especially those who used to do what we call drop by cold calling and just stop in and visit with people. Or so you're, st- you're talking about people who step into a business and say, Hey, I just wanted to just take a few minutes of your time and figure out if we can, that type of thing. Exactly. That. Mm-hmm. And then even the people who try to call because mm-hmm. they'll say, well, they're not in the office anymore. But yeah. Mm-hmm. You- got to be reached somehow they're doing business still so there's got to be somebody that's answering a phone somewhere (laughs) so we have seen a lot if you can believe this because i always thought it was high a lot more email uh, and many people diving into linkedin doing linkedin messaging and increasing their connections there we've seen a ton of people now adding to their lead generation on the marketing side. So email campaigns, video, webinars, um, so that sales reps have something to follow up on. Uh, And yes, we have seen an increased use of video as part of it. You know, it seems to me that that uh, I don't know what the numbers have been for LinkedIn, but I have to believe that the pandemic was probably really good for LinkedIn in the sense that people spend so much more time online than they have in the past. And uh, it's easier to get noticed on LinkedIn than it would have been uh, before, just because, again, people are 
if, if you're not in your office, you're sitting on your computer for longer periods of time. So it, it might still it might have even changed buyer behavior a little bit to make that more attractive. Let, let's talk about the issue of uh, persistence, because, y- you know, you, your expertise is in lead generation. Um, it, I've really been focusing in here on follow up after the initial call and how do we keep that conversation alive? But I want to start with the bad news uh, about uh, sales professionals failing to recontact after the initial attempt, either uh, in a lead generation activity or a follow-up activity, my guess is that you and I share a common distaste for the one-and-done mentality that seems to permeate our industry. Oh, my gosh, without a doubt. I I spend more time coaching people on follow-up. You know, we'll provide marketing qualified leads. The sales rep gets it. They make one attempt. Well, they didn't reply to my email. They didn't pick up the phone and never call again. And we all know how busy people are, or they're just trying to deal with this new way of doing business. One phone call isn't going to do anything. Mm -hmm. It's too easy to ignore. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you do that? How, How do you, what advice do you have for the salesperson who's looking at it and saying, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the hot leads and, and here I am having to go back over and over again to somebody who won't even respond. At some point, is it just a waste of my efforts? What do you say to that salesperson? That everybody is busy and has other things that they may be doing and you want to be noticed. Um, we have what we call our bloodhound follow-up strategy, Jeff, because people do get frustrated with this that gives the cadence for following up about every three days over a 30 day period using a combination of phone, email, and social media to try and reach people. They could need exactly what you've got and what you're calling them about could be a top priority. They just can't get to it. And just because they haven't returned your call, your one call or your two calls or even your four calls doesn't mean that they don't need what you have. And so you really have to keep reaching out to them. You owe it to them to have that conversation and and find out, is there something you should be helping them with? It could be the reason why they're so busy or they're not able to return your phone call, but you don't know that until you actually call. Do you think that salespeople are overly sensitive about coming off as an annoyance, as a pest, and and that there's a, a, a an interpersonal concern here? That is that they might look at it and say, I just don't want to be that person, or to put it another way, I don't want to be hated. Do you think that there's something deeply psychological about what salespeople are dealing with when it comes to persistence in their their lead generation, their their follow-up efforts, whatever it happens to be? Yes. And if you think about it, it's human nature. None of us want to be rejected. And when somebody doesn't call us back or reply to an email or accept a LinkedIn invitation, it feels like we're being rejected. So I think that is very common. We encounter it all the time because we work with technology companies and a lot of the people we're working with are actually technical they're not salespeople and they just don't understand how somebody might not reply. That must mean they don't have a need. Um, And so we just have to recognize 
it's not about us. There's probably something going on with them. And I have countless stories, like I bet you do, where I was sitting there thinking, oh, it's me. They don't want to do business with me. I'm interrupting them. And then you find out later that there was something horrific going on in their life or something major going on in their life, a merger and acquisition. The wife has breast cancer. I mean, I've Mm -hmm. got stories. So we have to let that go and, and just think about, no, they had a need. There was a reason they responded or they were interested there. We have a strong value proposition of something we can help with and call. It's one of the things that I I actually raise this point in my book on follow-up, that people reject a concept, not a person. And if we can look at it from that perspective, it might change things. Because I think salespeople are concerned about feeling that sense of personal rejection. As you just said, Kendra, and rightly so, it's in our human nature. We don't want to be personally rejected. And I think I'm trying to remember who... Uh, came up with that concept, that thought that if you belong in a tribe in, in primitive times, if you got kicked out of the tribe, you died. And so there's an there's a, a deep sense of a need to feel belonging and rejection feels like we're getting kicked out of the tribe. There's something very uh, instinctive about that. But if we can look at it and say, no, 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 they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the concept. And they might do that, by the way, for all kinds of legitimate reasons. The need has gone away. They already filled it somewhere else, whatever. But you don't know that if you don't stay with them and you can never solve their problem if you choose to just uh, uh, give up. But I think that that's really what it comes down to, doesn't it? Just the idea that, you know, I'm taking something personal, but it's not personal. It's about just what the situation is. Exactly. And so I recommend when people are sending an email or they are calling or even in LinkedIn that they try to inject their personality into it in addition to, of course, the business reason why you're reaching out that make it feel more personal to the other person to get over that feeling that, you know, it's not about you to get to try and establish some type of personal connection with them. Well, it's a really good point, because if if you think about the situations we find ourselves in, if somebody's trying to sell us something, now we may or may not be interested, we may or may not find value in it, whatever the case may be, but the personality of the salesperson has a great effect in the way that we respond. If someone is really, really nice to me, is really kind, if they're being genuine and authentic, I may not want to buy what they are selling to me, but I'm probably not going to light them up. But if somebody is being, you know, just very businesslike and and too direct and I'm not seeing any personality, it's much easier to just sort of blow them off. And so I think it's really, really good advice. If you could be your best self, maybe we bring out the best self in others, even if we don't have what it is that they're looking for. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. If you had only one way to do sales prospecting, lead generation or sales follow up, and you can only choose one method of all of them, whether it's using the phone, sending videos, LinkedIn, knocking on a door, whatever it would be, what one technique would you choose? For me, it would still be the phone because I can convey my interest in talking with someone. And as I continue trying to reach them, I can use levity in my voice. I could use jokes. I tend to be, to be kind of funny when I prospect. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But 
I can convey more of my personality trying to reach them than I could do even in an email. And this is even knowing that email could potentially get a um, faster response or LinkedIn. I, I just feel like it's more personal that mm-hmm. I cared enough to pick up the phone and reach out to them. Yeah, I, I think I would tend to agree with that. And it's interesting, you know, I, I, I bring this out in my book on follow up that for me personally, I used to tell people, you know what, D- don't call me if you need to reach me, send me an email. Well, then I got yep. so many emails. It's like, you know what, don't send me an email. It's going to get lost. If you need to reach me, text me. And, and then I would find I was getting text messages that I couldn't respond to and that I'd forget about. And now I say to people, you know what, if you really need to reach me, call me. It's what's old is new again here. And I think the phone call is, again, a fresh way if we can get over our own mental hangups along those lines. Uh, Well, can I give a tip here? Please. Yes. Yes. So if you can get past the first three phone calls and you leave a voicemail, the more you hear someone's voicemail, even though it doesn't change, you start to feel like you know that person. Because you start to recognize their voice, you know what they're going to say, you can plan for it. And so it makes it easier to actually continue to follow up with them. And that will make you more relaxed. And the more relaxed you are, the better your voicemail is going to be and the more interested they're going to be in talking to you. Because you almost, are you suggesting that you start to feel a little bit of that relationship, even though it it might be one-sided? It sounds like something of a mental hack at this point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love yes. it. I love it. There you go. Solid gold from Kendra Lee. Uh, Kendra is uh, the president of the KLA group, and uh, you can reach her at klagroup.com. Follow her blog. It's really interesting. And of course, buy her book, The Sales Magnet, How to Get More Customers Without Cold Calling. Before we let you go, uh, Kendra, it's a tradition here on The Buyer's Mind. We're going to put you on the hot seat. Rapid fire questions, rapid fire answers. You ready? Ready. Here you go. Your very first job was what? Very first job. Um, oh, Joanne Fabrics, cutting fabric. Nice. Uh, an album or artist from your youth that you listen to over and over again? Uh, <laughs> Elton John. Elton John. Okay. And uh, I that, can't that, name an album, but Elton oh, John. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. El- Elton John wrote much of the soundtrack to my life as well. I'm right there with you. Uh, the most beautiful place you've ever stood. Oh, the top of the Rocky Mountains. Oh, I, I knew you were going to say that. Uh, <laughs> any any book that you read that made a profound impact on your life? Zig Ziglar's books. And I'm going to say all of them because yeah. I was starting out in sales at that time. And the yep. very first one I read was about goal setting. And I mm-hmm. actually wrote all the goals for KLA um, and started our company with them. Love it. Love it. Love it. I read See You at the Top when I was 18 years old. It changed my life. No question about it. Uh, A movie you've seen multiple times, but you can't help it when it comes on. You got to watch it again. Moneyball. Great movie. And finally, your first celebrity crush. I'm not a celebrity person. Can I pass? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. Just think back. Tiger Beat magazine. Who was on the cover? You, You remember. 
golly, no. I can uh, no, say, okay. yeah, no, I don't I, no, I'm not a celebrity person. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a pass if you're willing to say Jeff Shore by default. Can we go with that? Okay, Jeff Shore right, by default, definitely. Who else? <laughs> Kendra Lee, fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. We'll post her contact information in the show notes. Kendra, thanks for being on the Buyer's Mind. Thanks for having me, Jeff. So there you go, Murph. Interesting conversation. And it certainly speaks very plainly to the idea that uh, if you're going to be persistent, you're going to get resistance. I just picked that up from her in that conversation, that idea that, uh, you know, you've got this mind game that it seems to take place in in the head of salespeople uh, that makes them afraid to make the call, reluctant to make the call. And uh, and yet it seems like that's the very thing that we are supposed to do is stare down that desire for comfort and make the call anyway. Why do you think this is so difficult, Murph? Well, you know, obviously we've, we've talked about this in the past in the sense that, uh, you know, it's easy to fall into a rut and to, to seek that comfort and to not challenge yourself. Um, and, and so I think that's one of those areas where, you know, when, when you're a little more motivated, you, you seek to not stick yourself in that same area of comfort. You challenge yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it's, we've talked about that in the sense that we've all got that comfort addict uh, in us uh, that's always chasing what is most comfortable and actually making decisions based on what is more comfortable. We, we've all got that in us. We all know uh, what that is like. Uh, I would look at it from the perspective that if you're going to be persistent, you're going to get resistance. And it's best for us to just be honest about that. If you're going to be persistent, you're going to get resistance. That's the way that it works. It's a question of whether you're gutsy enough to pound through that. It's a question of whether your achievement drive is strong enough to pound through that. That's why I wrote the book, Follow Up and Close the Sale, because in that we need to address this issue, first of all, of what's standing in our way, that resistance that stands in the way and wants to tell us, no, 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 you don't have to do these things. But then how do I do them effectively? That's the question. It's a question of whether you're gutsy enough to pound through, because at the end of the day, you don't serve your customer best by giving them a bunch of information. You serve your customer best by solving their problem. And if that requires several different approaches and several different techniques and several different ways to bring value, so be it. Stay with your customer. Follow up and close the sale. This is the theme. This is where we want to go to. We want to get to the point where we recognize that we want to stand out from everybody else that's willing to do just the minimum to get by. That's not who we want to be. If you have the high achievement drive, prove it to me in your follow-up. Hey, by the way, before we wrap it up, I've got a new book coming out. It's titled Follow Up and Close the Sale. And in it, I'm going to share with you what you need to know for a successful follow-up that's going to benefit you throughout your career. If you want to join the interest list for the book, if you want to stay notified on all things related to follow-up and some value extras that we're going to throw your way, just go to jeffshore.com slash sales follow-up and share your email with us. All right, there you go. Another episode of The Buyer's Mind. Thanks for listening. If you're not subscribed to our five-minute sales training on Saturday morning, please go over to YouTube. Go over to YouTube and look up five-minute sales training. You can also sign up on our website, jeffshore.com. But we want to be able to provide that free opportunity for you every Saturday morning. And until next time, go out there and change someone's world. 